0: The easiest way to do is just look at the best people that do it and then replicate what they're doing. Don't do it exactly like, like they're doing because you have your own unique brand. Don't copy it. It's pretty hard to copy something exactly the way it is. But like, look at like the best people that make content.
1: Welcome back to Risk It. Today I have with us featured guest, Drew Tacek. Drew is the founder of Narrative Media, a marketing strategy company that helps businesses create their brands so that they can grow. Drew, give us a little background about your area of expertise.
0: Oh, thanks Braden. Um, so my expertise is in marketing with specifically social media marketing. It's kind of like where the attention is going these days. Like, Advertising like, over the last like 50 years is focused on like TV, radio, billboards, but no one looks at those anymore. No one's really watching TV. Netflix has like destroyed them in terms of advertisements. No one watches TV even with TiVo, um, radio. People tune it out with Bluetooth. They have, you can buy like a Bluetooth device, put in like an old car even. Every new car comes standard with Bluetooth, for a newspaper. You consume it on your mobile phone. So, I focus on social media as a way to market your company in a way that's not intrusive cuz people are sick of being pushed products all the time so people just tune it out. So trying to make content that's valuable for the consumer so they end up buying the product in the long run. It's like getting like free samples out that from like a from Costco, you kind of you give them you give them like a sample and then they end up buying your product just showing them what it is first and
1: hopefully they like the the product, the story behind it. So before we get into the next question, what is the importance of having that story? I mean, I think a lot of brands, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but is there a significant ROI when it comes to, you know, connecting? Like what's the what's the investment return when you are able to, I guess, create that brand in a visual context?
0: Okay. So like the ROI is, very hard to measure it's measuring the lifetime value of consumer really like if you're gonna go out of business today just push your product and try and like sell if you're gonna like go out of business tomorrow and you have to you need money to survive but if you're a business that's in it for the long run then you can market to them in a way that you're gonna build a relationship with them not just um selling to trying to make a part like a friendship like an example when you love a product or you love like the story or anything about a company, you want to tell them like to just tell other people like when you become a fan of a product, you want to just tell everyone, you know, you don't care. But like an example I would use is just like a, a restaurant in terms of like a special, like if they say a special is like, like $10 for something that you think that's not worth that much, but it's something that's like super good, it's like $2 for something that's worth like $20, then maybe you'll tell people about it in terms of like a product being sold or like a story. Um, if you really like compare like maybe like a, a small local business, they have a great story, they had like a underdog, they had to go through a lot of like loopholes, things that get their business going versus like a large corporation that's just kind of keep going, keep dominating. You like try and sell your, your story, not your product. Cause you can't compete on price at a certain level because other comp- large corporations, they can have super low cost. They have great like operations management. So you have to go another level of trying to sell your product, trying to sell your story more or less.
1: That's great. You can really mitigate your risk by just learning to tell your story. Cause right at the end of the day, when you, comes to selling just price, it can be really difficult. Let's hear a little bit more about uh, your biggest risk that you've taken to date. How did it turn out and what did you learn from it? Okay. So the biggest risk
0: risk that I've taken today is probably starting a business and not trying to find a job right after university. It's something that like your, my parents wanted me like to do try and find like a job. It's, It's like safe. There's lots of security in having a job. But that was never like a way I wanted to go. I, I don't like having like control over anything, like not just work. I, I just didn't, I never liked being like told what to do. And it was like, it was like a strength and a, and a negative. Like with, uh, I used to play like, lots of hockey and like coaches, they would, like ask me to do certain things and I just kind of thought a different way. And I thought my way was better. It's like the biggest risk was uh, starting my business. But it ultimately wasn't a huge risk because so, if I would have found a job, there's no security in having a job. You can work for a company for five years, 10 years, and they have no loyalty to you. Like you don't know. Like People have worked like 30 plus years. They fire you, and then what do you do? They, they don't really care about you as much as you think they do. So with uh, there's almost more security in starting your own business in terms of you get the control who your clients are, um, who you want to work with. In an unlikely case that like not all your clients are going to just like disappear, it's not. It, it could happen if uh, if you're like a taxi company and you see like another like Uber just like destroying you by just reducing costs and just coming that way. But in terms of my business, uh, there's not too much automation that can happen yet. But you never know.
1: Well, like you said, it's it's hard to automate that personal story, right? Because it's different amongst every individual. And, I mean, there's, I guess, two parts of it. Because somebody can sit in front of a camera and record it, but then there's a lot of other things that are involved, right? Like the visual effects and different things like that can kind of make a difference. Now, you were mentioning... Pre-interview, you you had obviously started with a bank. What type of security measures did you take prior to making the leap to ensure that you would at least have some type of um, leeway or runway when it came to starting your own business?
0: So in terms of like leeway and starting my own business, I just don't spend a lot of money on things that don't matter. Um, I try not to waste money on things. I try like the money that I made, I, I saved it and I, I bought um camera lights but about all my whole stuff like a like, like good quality laptop and just investing in um things that like really matter not spending money on clothes like I do go to like restaurants and stuff like that but I try and like I'm pretty uh specific and trying to find like good value not like wasting a ton of money on on food but just trying to yeah just save money so I, I was did have the security so there's not a lot of pressure like I have I could do my business like I just calculated my, like my burn rate. I could start it from now and I'd probably have like a year if I like just did nothing. So that was like my goal. So I had like some security and then I'm just very motivated and just making it grow. So I hopefully I will never have to use the, the burn. rate.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely important to make sure that you're, I guess, obviously doing the right calculations. And, and I know you had also mentioned uh, that you had, had a contract already. So that was something that you would have secured during full-time employment that would have made it a little bit easier to transition over into your own company versus just kind of making that leap of faith. Cause it kind of gave you a little bit of stability as far as income came than when you were running.
0: I, I also just wanted to add just like when I did have a, a full-time contract with uh one, uh, one company, I, the whole time I was thinking about starting my own business. So I like I'd do their stuff, and then I'd also do my own stuff in the, my spare time. I was like learning like different things for social media marketing, marketing in general, um, sales skills, anything that was going to be beneficial for me when I was done the contract. Because my ultimate goal was to start my own business. I wasn't thinking about like working for like, five years with one company. So just trying to prepare myself. So when I did start, there wasn't like a lot of learning, but there was definitely going to be a learning curve, but just try and minimize as much as possible.
1: Yeah. So then when it comes to marketing strategy, how do businesses identify, assess and control risks in that area or your area of expertise? You have to take risks,
0: but try and make like, in terms of, let's say a, a video, you want to put a lot of content out cause you don't know if it's gonna hit, be a hit or miss. And even if it is, Risky try and like minimize the risk by having so much content out there, like if people don't like a video that doesn't really do good at all, just keep making more like you can't really stop at one thing. There's always risks that that can happen in terms of just uh, risk for them if like you get negative publicity. negative publicity a lot of people would be like afraid of, but it can work in a positive direction. there's a, a marketer can't remember his name but he worked for uh, tucker max he had like a popular book about like like drunk stories and he was his uh marketing like strategist for his his book launch and so his strategy was to make a whole bunch of negative publicity to pump the book sales because negative publicity like does really well in the news so he like he would put up posters and then like write pretend he was uh Um, against it by like writing like things on like spray painting on his billboards and stuff like that or like posters and like writing like a blog like telling people like don't buy this book like ban it and that's what happened with um, music they also when they put like a I can't remember what they called the label but they like put a logo on uh, music labels or on uh, CD cases Mm -hmm. that said uh, parent advisory Mm -hmm. so then that increased sales like things that like are negative can also work in a positive direction
1: I mean, obviously, that's in marketing context. There's you do have to be careful when it comes to negative reviews from customers who are maybe watching the videos. Right. But I kind of wanted to circle back to the the video views because I've interacted with a few organizations who kind of deal with this and it's the fact that if you put out content and it gets, you know, one, two, three views mm-hmm. and you know, maybe one's from you, one's from your wife or husband yeah. and then the other one's from you, your grandma or something, yeah. right? Uh, it's it's definitely a concern for a lot of organizations when it comes to video content specifically that they put this out there and that it's not going to, to do anything. So, what is the, I guess, cutoff or what is the mindset when you start engaging into a video program? Because there's, I guess, two sides of it. One is, are people actually watching it? And then the second part is, if there's only 100 or 200 views, are the people who are watching that going to see that as a qualified business because there's only you know there's not the hundred thousand views that maybe a big organization is going to get what uh what is the kind of context around video views and stuff like that video
0: views and just anything that like does really well on social media it starts outside of social media you could make a video for like a large corporation and they don't really have much of um, a connection with their fans versus a small company that has like a great connection they can do really well but if you don't have a connection with your customer, then they're not going to watch your content. Like, it starts just like outside, just like making sure people uh, have a great experience at your business or if it's a restaurant or if it's a brewery or if it's just any sort of company. you'll know, Make sure like they have like, a good experience so then when they have a, like, a positive mindset on your business, then they'll be more likely to consume your content. And then in terms of if, if the video did bad, you have to analyze why did it do bad. You have? To, did you make a really good quality? Did you make it on your cell phone? Were you walking around a whole bunch? Was the audio really bad? Was the, the lighting bad? Was it like it, there's a whole bunch of variables? Did did you make the content properly for the social media platform? Like for example, on Facebook, eighty percent of videos don't get watched with sound. So if you make a video that's really sound based, like a, if you put like this interview on Facebook with no captions, people might watch it. But if they don't watch it with sound, they're not going to like be able to consume the content at all. So like they might click into it, but most people don't click into videos. And then if you have captions, at least they'll read it at the start, and then maybe they'll get into the video after. Okay. Or even just uh, making the video specifically for Facebook and making it a square. Square videos do better instead of like a landscape video. Like A landscape video is like what you'd see on YouTube, so like the skinny, uh, narrow video. But on Facebook, you have the uh, ability to make it into a square. so you it takes up more space and it's easier to see in a mobile phone a landscape video is very like hard the seats very very skinny where a phone is like it's very like uh, it's long and wide or it's very um it's a lot it's more height. Like people don't really flip their phones to the side to watch a video usually so they're just like watching it the way they use their phone so I'll make the video into like a square or the whole the whole screen on Facebook and then if it's YouTube then you'd make it the proper way of just in a landscape video and you don't need captions because most people watch YouTube videos with sound. But even them, they, even people on YouTube don't always watch videos with sound. But I'm not sure the statistics on that.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like something that people deal with. And I guess this is maybe great for the next question, which is something I guess I would be curious about. If somebody's looking to get started on their digital strategy as far as video content and stuff like that, how could they get started and what would be the the best way to kind of go about that?
0: If someone's gonna start doing their own like digital strategy for their corporation in terms of social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, anything that like where people are consuming content, the easiest way to do is just look at the best people that do it and then replicate what they're doing. Don't do it exactly like like they're doing because you have your own unique brand. So don't copy. it. it's pretty hard to copy something exactly the way it is. But like look at like the best people that make content, or look at like a large corporation that does social media really well. Look at uh, like Gary Vanderchuck or uh, BuzzFeed, like some like just a, like a Facebook page that has like over like, a million likes. Look at how they can make content and then replicate that. Like if you're making if you're taking a whole bunch of photos that are really bad quality, bad lighting, people, they might like like a bit, but you're not going to like make a professional brand around your corporation in terms of like videos, make sure just kind of do it the same way that they're doing like without having a budget and if you want to like invest more um, read books, like buy like books on people that have done social media strategy like really well and try and just find like who does it the best and replicate what they're doing. And I think that would be like the cheapest way to do it. But it's also going to be very time consuming. You have to do lots of research and look, look who's doing it good, who's doing it bad.
1: Oh, well, that's good. So obviously the the one thing I like to uh, call it is it's basically strategy hacking is, is what I say is. I mean, you find somebody who's in a similar industry that you are that's obviously doing better than you are and then you can you know take basically concepts from what they're doing to help grow your brand which is important but I mean obviously for some business owners that's not always possible and sometimes they they do have to outsource a media company so what is the advantage of say working with a company like narrative media when it comes to building that brand the advantage is having
0: my experience and my knowledge so I I can educate people on the proper ways to make the content. Like I said, learning from large corporations, I've already done that. I've already learned all kind of like what the best people in the industry are doing in terms of tactics and uh, certain things that you wouldn't notice, like very like small things that will get better engagement. Like don't write, depending on every like post is different, but like on Facebook, don't write a super long post that's really hard to read because most people don't have time to read like a very complex post, but then, then maybe sometimes make a really long post that's just text and maybe people consume that better, but kind of I like have to like test things which work. And then one of the major benefits of like working with me versus trying to kind of do it yourself is just saving yourself the time of having to learn everything. And then I also try and make content myself so I can show people what I actually do. Like I make my own videos. I make my own social media content where other businesses that they say they're like a social media marketing agency, but then they don't create any content. Or they do make content that's not the actual proper way to make content they're making videos that don't have captions they're not like doing the extra effort things that like um you could ignore if you want to but if you're in it for like the long run you want to do it properly you do those certain things like you pay and get captions into your videos just certain things like that you you can look at like what i'm doing and you can understand that like this person actually understands what he's doing with facebook and then just uh, make content that uh, is reflective of their brand, trying to uh, show them that they're a very like professional brand and like make their social media align with it. I see lots of businesses, they make like a great website, but not a lot of people are even going to website these days. They are more or less going to social media, to check out businesses. So if your website you spent $20,000 on it, it's an amazing website, but then your social media, you have like these amateur photos, really bad videos, really shaky. Like, you know, your cover photo has nothing to do with your your business. Your icon photo is just something random. You make uh, a bunch of just bad like posts. That reflects worse on you than your website. Like websites are great. It's very like professional. You need that. But people are investing like too much money in websites now. Websites are really important. It's like 10, 15 years ago. That, that was like the main thing. Being able to advertise through Google that way, people just go to websites. But now more or less people are, going on social media like if you're a restaurant they're not gonna look at your website unless it's for like a menu they want to like go on instagram and see like the photos of your food and then if you're a restaurant why would you have food or pictures of like all your staff and like you have like 10 photos of staff per one photo of food so you have to like be you have to understand what the consumer wants like when they look at your instagram page they want to see the product that they would be like buying and then also not like pushing it to not like tell them like this this food is like ten dollars because people don't buy on price always they buy on how it looked in the photo and if it, people like said good reviews about it.
1: I think that's good and I, what you kind of talked about there and I think what I got from is is it doesn't matter whether it's you or a different digital agency anywhere in the world. I mean the importance of working with a firm like yours or another one is is the expertise, right? I mean you're you're playing in that field, but the same goes for any industry really. I mean you can file your own taxes. You can repair your own car, but do you want somebody that actually knows how to do that and they're, you know, they're trained in that area of expertise or do you want to do it yourself? I mean, I can change the oil in my car, but I wouldn't do much more than that yeah. <laughs> before I start getting a little bit scared about what I might do wrong. And, and I think you did drive that home and uh, we do appreciate it. You added some value there. So how can the audience uh, connect with you or learn more about your business?
0: Uh, People can find me through Facebook. uh, Just searching Narrative Media on Facebook, uh, probably will show up. Or just um, Googling like Narrative Media Saskatoon and just uh, look me up on my website. Uh, YouTube. I'm putting like more uh, content of myself and then also uh, businesses like um, developing my portfolio and trying to show uh, what I actually do. Uh, I think that's the best thing for anyone who'd want to invest in social media is like trying to see examples. Uh, If a company like says they they do it, you want to see the results of what they've done. So I try and like show people uh, exactly what I do, trying to be like really transparent. This is exactly what I do. I, I even do some videos. I make it like the exact style that I think that does really well on social media.
1: Great. So I'll make sure that I link to those in the show notes page so that anybody that's interested can check them out and get into contact with you. Now, in closing, we always like to get the number one resource that you think the audience should be checking out besides your company, whether that be an application, a book or a website.
0: Over the the last year, I've consumed a lot of uh, Gary VanderTuck's uh, content. He, uh, he's very good with uh, social media marketing. Um, i would Avoid it if you're like afraid of profanity. Like, don't watch uh, his videos if you, you, uh, yeah, if you don't want to hear swearing. So, and then um, just read his books. He's like, his very very valuable content. He talks about lots of, uh, he talks lots about about giving and then not expecting to receive something in return. And that's something that you should do with social media marketing. Like, try and give your consumers and then hopefully they will come back to you in return. And then also, uh, Seth Godin is a great marketer reading lots of his books. I'd recommend uh, just any of the ones that kind of he's made. Uh, he's made over like 10 books. so. Yeah.
1: Great, Drew. Thanks for those resources. It was a pleasure having you on the show.